All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Eli James here uh, started uh, the other computer, and for some reason it would not pick up my microphone, and it turned out that Michael overslept anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I had to blame it on somebody other than me. Uh, but no, Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing very good, and I I see the, maybe the handy Java here. I was late, and then he made sure that he couldn't go online. So I maybe see the hands in Java here to make yeah. sure that we are t- here in the show also well it's that stupid time change again right they uh, uh is, it, is it your week uh we sweden's week to switch times to go forward uh we have not switched the time yet we switch it next next week so then i have okay. to go back to the normal times again so it goes back and back and forth as those times so i i have to bear with this one more week i think right yeah and uh the uh congress of america has passed a law to uh, do uh, do away with these time changes, finally, they must have heard me crabbing about it, right? Because I've been complaining about this for years, right? So finally, they're going to do it. No more time changes, spring and fall. We're just going to stick with one time. Finally, amen to that. Okay, so it took us a while to get get going here and reboot and everything. But why don't you, um, if uh, if you don't have anything else to talk about, why don't you take us right into where we left off from uh, the the book uh, Sargon the Magnificent. Yeah, yeah, I can uh, I can point out during this past week I have been on my channel loading up uh, uh, some chapters out of this a book that is uh, I think it's obscure you can't find it in America. Uh-huh. It's a book called The Billion Dollar Murder and that that's um, where it shows that uh, uh, Eva Krieger people think that Eva Krieger was a fraud but he was not he was uh, murdered by the the usual suspects by by the Jewish conspiracy they killed him because he he outdo them in their almost in their games he was a very so that's why I'm doing that book to redeem his name a bit in the for uh-huh. the English audience so you you see the story from from the other side otherwise it's only the uh, the Wallenberg and the Bonnier story that is prevalent now in the in the world okay so who who is this guy uh, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of background as and I'm still he, and, go ahead. Eva Krieger was the, was a guy that he he was re- referred to as the match king. He was the, having the small matches, and um, and he was also the one that uh, when you have a big crash, I think the crash that's in America during the thirties was also due to that this international cabal wanted to get rid of Krieger. It was a way to try to to also try to get him down. He was also one of the targets, um, so that was also one of the reasons for the big crash in the thirties. Because, uh, uh, yeah, he was he was a target, Ivar Krieger, and he so he was oh. referred to as the match king, and he had the, the company he had was Krieger and Toll. Um, so and but okay. he was they were uh, it was an, uh, the conspiracy of a Jewish conspiracy from raging from yeah from Moscow, New York, Stockholm, uh, Paris. They they this shows really how how those conspiratorial Jews works when they when someone goes against them. Okay, so was he exposing their, uh, you know, their manipulation of the economy, causing the crash? Is that what he was doing? Uh, he, um, yeah, he has in when he writes his, his uh, um, when you're writing, when reading his letters to his co-worker, he is alluding to that that they are what he called them bear attacks now upon me. Uh, the usual are attacking me with bears, uh, bear mm-hmm. attacks. So he he knew that they were attacking him by okay. by staging those bear attack, trying to yeah bring down the uh, yeah the stock the stock uh, stock market, trying to make so he. 
they wanted to um, because he, uh, during that period he wanted to get all, get in money for his company but then uh-huh. then came uh-huh. this uh, this crisis i don't know what is in i'm better now on the exact uh, year on that but then the crisis came uh, on the stock exchange and it was in the uh, what was it, the black september was what was it called the last yeah, black, days in october, yeah, black october it was black october october 29th 1929 something like that 1929 yeah, yeah. Exactly then. Friday, but, Black uh, Friday, it was called. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in that, just two, three days before, he was going out on the market trying to get money for his company, and then this happened. Ah. So okay. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before he started to trying to uh, get money from the from the American, yeah, from the American market, but then this crash happened. All right. So he would be the equivalent of. Uh, uh, Congressman Lewis T. McFadden here in America, who exposed the fact that the Federal Reserve actually caused the crash, okay, and uh, actually had made money off of uh, financing the Bolshevik Revolution, and he was murdered. They poisoned him. So uh, anybody who dares to expose Jewish crimes, <laughs> right, of any sort, will be a target. So that's, that's what it sounds like happened to him, okay. Yeah, or, that was he did because he also exposed the the bankers, the one that there, the one that did finance uh, uh, that were yeah, cons- you know how conspiratorial they are, and, and then when he was dead, uh, they stole his company, and everything is now in mostly in the hands of Wallenberg. Uh, he stole the companies from him, and then um, some of them also went to to America as well, but most of it okay. was stolen by Wallenberg and yeah. his and the lawyers he used for it. Um, so he was, and then his his brother Torsten Krieger was railroaded into into jail because he knew the fact that this was outrage lie, and he was the only one that could defend, um, yeah, uh, Ivar Krieger's uh, that company, so they couldn't steal. But they they railroaded rail, railroaded him to jail. Right, yeah, that happens to many patriots <laughs> who who confront the JQ, the Jewish question, right. Okay, so yeah, yeah that's I, I caught a couple of your episodes because you send them out by email. So, yeah, well done. Keep keep up the good work. Uh, maybe we can um, put those together and put them on Eurofolk Radio as well. Okay, so but uh, I'm finally totally booted up and I've got Sargon the Magnificent on my screen. And what uh, what chapter are you in? Because I know you've got the uh, hard copy, print copy. And uh, I have the online copy that uh, Chris Pete has put out. And so if you give me the chapter, because I, I know our page numbers don't match up. So if um, you would g- give me the chapter. I'm on chapter 15, The Great Conspiracy. The Great Conspiracy. Okay, I'll search for that. Why don't you uh, take us there? Yes, so I will start up where we left off last time. Okay. So... Um, if these words are not meant as a tribute to the, quote, um, prince of this world, end quote, though the medium of King Cain, it is difficult to imagine any uh, meaning in them. Further reasons will be given for believing that Cain was the human organizer of idolatry. But, it is instig- but its instigator must have been, quote, the prince of darkness, end uh-huh. quote. Right. Uh, what great insult, then, uh, the worship of false gods could have been offered uh, to the Creator by the disgrace, disgrace spirit and the outcast man, as Robert Browning wrote, 
quote, Note that the climax and the crown of things invariably is the devil appears <laughs> himself, armed, accounted, horns, and hoof and tail. I quoted, end quote. Yeah, so you, you have found out where I am? Yeah, uh, Babylonian, uh, Babylon has been a golden cup, the great conspiracy, chapter 15. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, okay. Yeah, very yes. good. It was interesting to show this that Cain was the son of uh, of Gadriel and the inspiration that he got into idolatry, and that is that we see in the in the Babylonian in that priesthood and those priests right. that was truly idolatry. They they rejected the the faith and the worship of Yahweh. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so um, uh, let me just jump into the middle of the second paragraph. I'm not, I'm not sure if you got that far. Where uh, she says, and since I, sh- as I show later, the oldest gods Anu and Ishtar represent Adam and Eve, the fact that they were first worshipped in Erech or Uruk, the city probably built by Cain, points to this conclusion. All right, that's that's a good uh, that's a good uh, statement right there. Okay, so is that where you were at, or you know, I'm just catching up with you. Uh, I'm a bit a bit far, further ahead. I know we we discussed this before, those that yes. Uh, it's uh, those what they say Babylonian gods. Gods are often a reference right. to Adam Eve, the devil, and um, so that is also how I believe how the Trinity came to be. This is where the Trinity comes from. It was this <laughs> this uh, uh, this adultery uh, worship that was started by Cain. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you had just quoted uh, a, a person, somebody who wrote a book, and yeah, so Robert Browning. Browning. Okay. I'll search for him, and I'll be catching her up with you. So please continue. Yeah, thank you. And sure enough, these baneful signs are inseparable from the Babylonian religion, for in their drawings, all their gods and heroes are represented with horns and hoof, horns uh-huh. or hoof or tail. Uh, and a bracket, see mm-hmm. illustrations to the left here. I have illustrations on those right. hoofs and the tails, and yeah, they look like Baphomets. Yeah, well, is that is he saying that that is a uh, misrepresentation to scare people so that they can't figure out that these are actually humanoids, <laughs> devils in human form? Is that what yeah, he's saying? Well, that's a good if that's what he's saying. He, but this is how I guess the Babylonians were rep- representing themselves. Right, they were representing themselves as yeah devils. They were represented as, ba- as some part of Baphomet. As either having a hoof, having a tail, or having horns. Yeah. So right. this is okay. an illustration how they illustrated themselves. Could that have been how they view themselves? Because that is a representation of yourself, then. Okay, because it could be a misrepresentation to throw people off track. You know, here's the devil, here's Baphomet, this is the evil spirit, right? And th- that would throw them off the track of, well, no, no, it's Cain, <laughs> right? So uh, maybe that's what the, you know, the origin of this Baphomet image is from. But, you know, uh, obviously there are evil spirits and some of them may resemble that, <laughs> right? All right, back to you. Yeah, that could be a way also to try to throw off Cam. But then Baphomet is, the, could I believe, as the as the representation of, of King Cain himself. Right, right. And actually that would be a representation also, Baphomet would, 
of the transgender God, right? And uh, the, the fact that he, uh, although there's no snake imagery there, because the vast majority of images representing, you know, the devil are a serpent, okay? So maybe it was also another distraction away from the serpent imagery so that people wouldn't suspect, hey, Cain is actually a, a devil, a, a, a serpent seed himself, okay? So, yeah, because their, their images are, are never really quite what they seem to be, right? So, so uh, anyway, please continue. It's, uh, something to think about. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, us. yeah. So, and that's uh, sorry. Uh, just to make sure I'm up with you, uh, for all uh, this, Browning says, for in their drawings, all their gods and heroes are represented uh, with horns or hoofs or tail, etc. Yeah, but yeah. you had a bit another another writings on that. It was a okay. bit different than the quote I had. <laughs> okay. Well, please continue. Well. Yeah. Uh, thus, I dare to think. Uh, sprang up a great conspiracy, cunning device to catch the souls of men. Mankind had already forfeited the immorality of the body, but their souls were still free to soar. Once caught, their souls were to be drugged and uh, maddened with the wine of the golden cup, until, until soul, as well as body, had forfeited eternal life. Mm-hmm. The New Testament gives a lurid picture of Cain's followers, and the monuments uh, amply testify that the Babylonian priests, who were, if my theory holds good, the first of those followers, deserved the uh, denunciations hurled at them by the Apostle uh, Jude. Uh, Quote, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, these are the spots in your feast of a charity. When they uh, feast with you, feed themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, cared about of winds. Trees without fruit, withered, without fruit, twice dead, plucked <laughs> up by roots. Uh, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. End okay. quote. All right, so th- that's, uh, he's describing the sons of Cain. All right, so anybody who doubts that they still exist in New Testament times, <laughs> right? Uh, there it is, right there in Jude. Okay, yeah, and uh, Mrs. Bristow is absolutely right. Uh, he, uh, Jude is describing the children of Cain. Who, uh, and, uh, but, but what he's saying, Judah saying, is they are in our midst. Beware of them. See if you can identify them. Okay? Because they're the greatest pretenders. And uh, what's the word? We have uh, chame- chameleons. That's the, they're the greatest chameleons who ever existed. They can pretend to be just about anything they want. Even if they can't shapeshift, they, they can pretend to be your friend and then stab you in the back. Back to you. Okay, next chapter, if we're in sync, is the Babylonian priests. Yes, we are okay. in sync. Very good. Okay, let's. Um, so this is chapter um, uh, 16, Babylonian priests. One fact, little commuter upon in modern works of ancient Babylonia and Egypt. 
is the tremendous power possessed by the priests, who were responsible for the inscriptions. Yet my mind, unless we appreciate the full significance of this fact, we cannot hope to unravel the uh, intricacies of intricacies. The historical material. Yeah, the intricacies. Uh, there are a lot of intricacies in this story. A lot of details, yes. Yes, of the historical material left behind by them. It is not always realized that the literature and art of those um, countries were entirely in their hands uh, for at least 2,000 years before Christ. Wow. Yep. And that they would therefore hand down as much or as little of their history as they chose. Uh, speaking of Babylonian inscriptions, Professor uh, Maurice um, Yastro says... Okay, hold on. Before you say that, we uh, quote that. Uh, Mrs. Sidney Bristow is, is right on point here, whether or not she knows the story of the Babylonian bankers, okay, and their control of empires from behind the scenes through usury and uh, fractional reserve banking. But she is spot on. She is spot on that they have been manipulating uh, empires from behind the scenes for the last 2,000 years. Amen. Very good. I mean, she she is way better than 99% of the Judeo-Christian ministers. Wow. Back to you. Yeah. When you That also was what I realized when I read this book first time, that this is, this is spot on with, um, with two seed line message. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, she has identified Cain as, as the evil one, as the serpent. That's the right. Devil. Yeah. Yeah, so as we're reading through this, uh, I'm becoming convinced that this is the, probably the first two-seed line book ever written. <laughs> right? So, outstanding. Uh, please continue. Thank you. Quote, It was though the temple schools, and for the temple schools, that the literature, which is wholly religious in its character, or touches religion at some point, was produced. The functions of the priest were differentiated and assigned to several classes. Diviners, exorcists, uh, astrologists, physicians, scribes, and judges of the court, to name only the more important. He left out bankers, <laughs> the, money, the money changers. <laughs> Back to you. Could they have been the, yeah, I don't really see here who could have been, if they be the scribes yeah. or something like that, I don't know. Yeah, because uh, this yeah. practice of the priests in the temples be, being gold hoarders, of, but bankers, you know, the, having banks, was because the temple prostitutes would have to pay the priests for the services of the prostitutes, and this is how they built up gold reserves, where you know down in the basement, right? And so uh, maybe he wasn't aware of that. Back to you. Mm -hmm. um, the power thus lodged in the priest of Babylonia and Assyria was enormous. Oh man! Virtue held in their hands uh, the left. The, the life of death of the people. Amen. End quote. Yeah, they still do today. And, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yes. So this is the, the bracket. Religion of Babylonia and Assyria by uh, M. Jastro, professor of Semitic languages, University of Pennsylvania. End bracket. Um, these all-powerful priests were the um, hereditary uh, conspirator 
the custodians um, of the Golden Cup, the legacy of Cain. Okay. They, as we have seen, are uh, known to have possessed from the time of Sargon a language resembling Hebrew and the art of um, cuneiform writings uh, and uh, could therefore have left behind them a clear and detailed history. Uh, instead of which they left um, confused and almost undecipherable. Undecipherable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that is pretty much the case. Undecipherable because it was a language only known to them and not promulgated publicly. Back to you. Yeah, could that mm-hmm. also be if you if you compare it to today to the yeah to their their bastard language Yiddish? Right, right. Yeah, in fact, I was watching a movie yesterday about uh, the Khazar Jews, and uh, the reason they all dress alike, you know, with the black hats and the black overcoats and the black beards and all that stuff, is so they can't be easily identified. Yeah, it, it was a Jew. He had, had a dark beard and a black hat and a black coat, and then you have a lineup of uh, 30 Jews. Which one is it? All right, we can't tell. They all look alike. Yeah. That's a part of their camouflage. Back to you. Yeah, but everybody knows they are you, so that must be a right. But which, <laughs> but which one? Which one is the guilty one? Who did the dirty deed? Right? We can't tell. See, white people <laughs> have uh, blonde hair, blue eyes, brown hair, you know, dark eyes, you know, etc., uh, etc. Et it's it's easy to tell us apart from one another, right? Not Jews. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's part yeah. of their camouflage. Back to you. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, those undecipherable inscriptions written in a mongrel dialect. Uh, what but the desire to mystify could have uh, prompted such apparent stupidity Whoa. or the following um, equally irrational customs adopted by them and described by Professor Yastrom? Yes, uh, don't, pretend, don't uh, misunderstand us. I just pretend to be stupid. <laughs> All right. Okay, Professor Jastro says, quote, back to you. Uh, the inscriptions upon the bricks found in the library of um, Asurani Paul were copies of very much older writings collected from all parts of Babylonia, belonging to a great um, literary movement which took place in the time of um, Kamurabi, and a bracket, circa 2000 BC, and bracket. When the prevailing myth, religion, and science of the day were embodied in Numerius' works, and the later Assyrians and Babylonians were uh, uh, content to copy these writings instead of making new works uh, for themselves, and quote. Okay. That was also from this book, Religion of Babylonian Assyria, and bracket. And that book would be interesting to find. Yes. Uh, What but? Uh, my theory can explain why the scribes of uh, Asurbanis Paul's reign devoted their time and energy to copying earlier works referring to past events and characters. If, as I contend, Cain armed with superhuman knowledge and power came into Babylonia, bringing with him the marvelous story of the creation of the world and the golden, the Garden of Eden. How tame, by comparison, must the later history of Babylonia have 
um, seemed and how insignificant its later monarchs. No wonder the old times were uh, uh, perpetually uh, harpened upon in inscriptions in which are uh, veiled allusions to Adam and Eve, the fall of Adam, Eve's sorrow for Abel and her anger against Cain, the coming of Cain to Babylonia and his alliance with the devil. Mm. Right. These illusions are cloaked in the form of mythological witch oriented um, bracket, as I hope to show, and the bracket, in Cain's traver um, traversity of the truth in transferring the divine attributes of the creator to three false gods, whom he called Anu and Ea after her parents, and Bel after the devil. So there we have those three. Yeah, the original gods. trinity, right? The original yeah. trinity invented by Cain. There you go. Um, the monotheistic inscriptions to be produced later prove that the knowledge of the one God had reached Babylonia at the beginning of history. Yes. And, and Paul says that although, quote, from the creation of the world, end quote, God has made himself uh, uh, known to men. They have corrupted the knowledge into idolatry. And here's a quote from Romans. Um, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And quote. That is from Romans um, chapter 1, 22 until 23. Okay, let me just interject here. What she's saying is absolutely correct. You can consult historian after historian, and they will all tell you that all civilizations began as monotheistic civilizations and then degenerated into you know, multi-god you know, with great pantheons of this and that type of god later on. Okay? So uh, this is absolutely true. So the original civilizations had the truth but degenerated. Back to you. So, same as we have it today then. Mm -hmm. um, the evil character of the priest is, is betrayed by their inscriptions, which show that they practice cannibalism. Professor says, um, says, says uh, quote, Human flesh was consumed in Babylonia in the earliest time in honor of the gods. And quote, and quote, human sacrifice were part of their religion. And quote, as the Freemasons and uh, <laughs> the secret societies continue to do today. Yeah, and this comes from uh, Hebert lectures from 1887. And um, yeah, although. As one writer says, quote, the conception of the soul had been arrived at in the age of Sargon of Akkad, end quote. Uh, the doctrines thought by the priests were, in the last degree, naturalistic. Mm -hmm. The soul of man was said to be in the liver, and every uh, sheep's liver contained, uh, bracket, it was uh, thought, end bracket the liver uh, of a god and was an instrument of divi um, divination, 
Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's why they like liver. <laughs> like eating the liver, right? <laughs> okay. Hundreds of uh, brick models of livers have been dug up. Wow. Also, directions showing the meaning uh, attached to different diseases and um, deformities of the liver. Uh, the inscriptions which prove that the knowledge of uh, one God and his laws existed in Babylonia in the earliest times make it evident that the uh, degrading teachings of the priests was an outcome of evil and not of ignorance. Amen. Just as the late Babylonian art shows, as Professor Kittle remarks, quote, a falling, a falling off, end quote, from that of Sargon's time, uh, bracket, suggesting a willful degradation, end bracket. And just as uh, the use of, um, quote, mongrel dialect, end quote, by the priest in place of their actual language shows a willful degradation of literatures as well as a desire to mystify. So the uh, substitutions of innumerable gods for the one god can only indicate a willful suppression of the, of the truth yiddish right yeah there. that's a modern way to say it <laughs> right yiddish okay um, the strongest evidence of the priest duplicity is met with the with in examining babylonian myth and three of these may be mentioned here they cannot have escaped the notice of the first higher critics, and therefore seem to justify Professor Kittle's statement that they did not necessarily believe that the Bible stories were borrowed from Babylonian myth, right. but invented that, that theory to popularize uh, astrology. Um, George Smith says that, quote, the dark race is called Admi or Adami, which is exactly the name given to the first man in Genesis. End quote. It appears from the fragments that it was the race of Adam or the black race, which was believed to have fallen. End quote. Okay, so this is a, a I think uh, she is saying that this is a false or a misrepresentation of the truth deliberately by the so-called Assyriologists, you know, th those who hate the Bible. Okay, I think that's what she's saying here. Back to you. Yeah, and those, the, yeah, they must also be from Cain, those astrologists. Right. Okay. And so they just add more confusion. <laughs> First, you have the priests creating confusion. Now the Assyriologists are adding confusion. Yeah, they mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the author of author of confusion. Um, if, as some higher critics told. Um, Israelites scribe invented a history of his race with the help of Babylonian literature would have chosen the name of the black race in Babylonia for his primordial ancestor. Yeah, well, the Hebrew, black Hebrew Israelites would have, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, they would. Yeah. Um, is it not more likely that the Babylonian priest applied the name of the first white man to the black race as part of their conspiracy of lies. Uh -huh. A very mock piece of mockery. Great. There you go. 
it seems obvious to that the Babylonians were intentionally misrepresenting the sequence of the events in the story of the creation. When they said that the moon was created before the sun, and as it um, and is it possible to imagine that the Bible story of Eve's creation was inspired by the Babylon Babylonia, one of the first women uh, women's created by quote seven evil spirits end quote mm. of whom it is said that quote the women from the loins of the man they bring forth end quote and this is from says from Hebrews lecture page three hundred ninety five and bracket. Could anyone honestly believe that the Genesis story of Eve's uh, temptation and loss of immorality was inspired? immortality? Immortality. Immortality. Yeah. Um, uh, she gained immorality and lost immortality. All right, there we go. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> immortality was inspired by the Babylonian story, the serpent, that deprived a hero of a plant capable of uh, rejuvenating and keeping men alive. Hmm. Yeah, an apple. <laughs> she ate, ate an apple, and that uh, caused the fall. Right? That, that's the myth. Is that Still, where the evil apple comes from? Yeah, right. The, the evil apple. Wow. Okay. Uh, the resemblance between the two stories seems uh, to me to show that one is the parody of events described in the other. For it is obvious that they both had the same origin. Professor Pinches, discussing the Babylonian lecture, says, uh, quote, There is hardly any doubt that, the, that a desire existed to make things as um, difficult as possible. Wow. Wow. This is fantastic stuff because she quotes the uh, archaeologists and uh, Assyriologists who uh, disagree with the mainstream you know, uh, academic uh, you know, line that we uh, have been fed all these years. Back to you. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah so I yeah, so I would recommend uh, everybody get this book because it shows you that you know that there is a wealth of information, wealth of uh, understanding among the real Assyriologists uh, as to the true origin of Cain and the seduction in the Garden of Eden. Uh, it's all there, but it's been covered up. And she, but she collects all this literature, which shows, hey, that these Assyriologists believe like we do. All right, and in, in Christian identity, very good. Yeah, and of course, those old, uh, um, those old archaeologists, they were of course the one that did know it. I guess they they are put into into the yeah the memory hole. They are That's not right. About. That's right. Another scholar comments upon the universal system of obscurations. Obscurantism, which means to make uh, something clear as mud. (laughs) Make something that's very clear seem like mud. Obscurantism. Uh Uh-huh. Obscure something, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, quote. This dominant priesthood, whose uh, domain was not knowledge, holding the keys of treasured learning... Open uh, the lock with um, sherry hands, and veiled plain speech in fantastic uh, allegory. In such allegory, Egyptian priests spoke to uh, Greek travelers who came to them as um, dervish pilgrims or wanderlands uh, students. It was this uh, sibling knowledge that an um, oh, 
Aeschylus, yeah. uh, he was uh, considered the healer, the great, great healer of Greek civilization. Back to you. Okay, uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Ovid, or uh, Virgil, master of wizards, here and there reveal. It is this dragon-guarded treasure of secret wisdom that we may yet seek to interpret from graven emblem, from symbolic monuments, from the uh, orientation of temple walls, from the difficult interpretations of non-Hellenic names of hero and uh, heroine, he- heroine, yeah. uh, god and lunar goddess of mysterious monster and a fable bird of celestial river and starry hill. Names that were first written in the ancient language of people, wiser and more ancient than the Greeks, end quote. Mm-hmm. Well, we have the same thing going on with the Babylonian Talmud, which is an a- attempt to obscure the, the plain truth of scripture, right? They're still doing it. It's called the Talmud. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's see here. And this, and here's the bracket. Professor Darcy V. Thompson, uh, Transactions of the Royal uh, Societies of Edinburgh, Volume One, Part One, Number Three. End bracket. Uh, the quote treasured learning and quote veiled in fantastic allegory was, I shall try to show, the knowledge of God and the events and character records in the first chapter of Genesis all of which become less and less recognizable as the centuries roll on. In the case, the discovery that the blacks of Babylonia were called uh, Adami should by any possibility be thought to support Sir James um, um, Fraser's theory that the story of Adam originated among the African tribes and that Adam was uh, a black man. It would be well to call attention to the drawings in which Adam and Eve, though far from beautiful, are undoubtedly represented as white people. <laughs> okay. Well, isn't that what we're still hearing today from the evolutionists? You all yeah. descended from a black woman? Isn't that what they're um, still teaching? Wow. Yeah, man. Or that everybody can Adam and Eve. Right. It's all those Jewish professors. Now, oh, okay, so she does mention the British Museum here because I'm speculating because she has reference to all of these what are today certainly obscure books. She must have had access to the British Museum to reference these books because otherwise she has a tremendous library, (laughs) right, of archaeological works, uh, Assyriological works which would be quite impressive. So she must have had access to the British Museum to do all this research. Back to you. Yeah. And, uh, and no uh, internet. <laughs> no internet to help her out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 1929, I think, is the publication date of this book. But instead of spending the, the money on travel and funny stuff, you know, maybe yeah. spend it on books. It's a good thing there wasn't any television that would have distracted her away from this job, <laughs> from this uh, outstanding work. All right, back to you, George Smith. Uh, he writes, quote, One striking and important uh, specimen of early types in the British Museum collections 
has two figures sitting on on one each side of a tree, holding out their hands to the fruit, while at the back of one is stretched um, stretched a serpent. Yes. We know well that in the earliest uh, sculpt, um, sculptures, none of these figures were um, sh- chance uh, devices, but all represented events or supposed events and figures in their le- legends. Thus, it is evident that the form of the story of the fall, similar to that of Genesis, was known in early times of Babylonia. And All right, very good. And yeah, and then the, the serpent, that's where the serpent imagery comes from. I'm sure people have seen, you know, similar drawings, uh, Adam and Eve and uh, the serpent intertwined <laughs> around the tree in between them, right? Very popular motif, common motif. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we are in chapter 17. And this is the organ of mythology. Um, in dealing with um, mythological fact, a quote, that fantastic allegory, end quote, another difficult confronts me. My views upon this subject differ from those held by many well-known and influential writers. And therefore, uh, before showing that the Babylonian mythology uh, provides the surest sign of the identity of Cain with Sargon. I must examine those opposing views. So admired and reno- renewed are their um, um, exponents that only my uh, convictions of their fallacies leads me uh, courage to oppose them. It is, as Max Müller says, uh, quote, the silly, savage and senseless element that makes mythology the puzzle which men have so long uh, founded. End quote. And this from Encyclopedia of Britannica, edition 2, Mythology. And this element is just what one would expect to find in it. Uh, if it is nothing more or less than the result of Cain's determination to uh, counteract the worship of God, so faithfully preserved by uh, the other branch of Adam's race. There's two seed uh, line right there. Yes, it is. Seth, and the yes, Sethites. it is what Cain and what they still do today. Mm-hmm. What um, Cain is doing to make we doesn't worship Yahweh. Yeah, I have to applaud that statement right there. That's fantastic. Back to you. Yes, uh, from the days of ancient Greece, learned men have puzzled over the unnatural features of mythological and the mystery of its organ, and at least five different explanations had been offered uh, for it before the birth of Christ. They were the physical explanations of... Um, Theogenes. Theog- yeah, Theogenes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the religious of um, theosophic explana- explanation of uh, uh, Porphyry, the explanation of the myth as uh, allegories. Aristotle's opinion that the myth were the invention of legalization, quote, to pursue uh, the many and to be used in support of the law, end okay. quote. Okay, yeah, that's how law is mythology too, <laughs> right? 
Okay, let's make up the law. Let's make everything up and keep the people befuddled. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of man-made stuff when they say man-date, but there's only man that dates. It's not the law. It's just what man say. That's right. That's right. It's not a God date. It's a mandate. <laughs> All right. Yeah, what God dates, uh, what God is determines us is from the Bible. That's right. what the law is. Amen. And finally, the view propounded by um, Eumerius, a bracket, see, on the 16 BC, and bracket, according to whom the myth where uh, history is disguised, uh, disguised and, uh-huh. yes, uh, quote, all gods uh, were once men whose real feats have been um, decorated and distorted by a later fancy, end mm-hmm. quote. Mm-hmm. And that is also from the Encyclopedia of Britannica, edition two, mythology, the same. Uh, needless to say, this is the view with which my theories agree, and it's, it agrees with St. Paul's words. Did not the pagans, by attributing godlike um, qualities to men, change, quote, the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, end quote. Although the writer of the following passage pins his own faith to more modern view, he admits that there is much to be said for the explanation offered by Eumerius. He writes, um, quote, this view suited uh, Lactin, I cannot pronounce it really. Okay, I lost the lactentious. Lactentious, okay. Yeah, thank you. St. <laughs> Augustine and other early Christian writers were well. Uh, they were pleased to believe that Eumerius, by historical research, had um, uh, ascertained that the gods were once but mortal men. Amen. So was Odin, <laughs> the god Odin, <laughs> right? He was once but a mortal man. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Precisely. The same um, convenient line was taken by um, uh, Shagun in his account of Mexican religious myth. As there can be no doubt that the uh, goats of dead men have been worshipped in many lands, and as the gods of many faiths, are tricked out with attributes derived from ancestor worship. The system of um, Eumerius retains some measure of uh, plausibility. While we need to believe with Eumerius and with Herbert Spencer that the god of Greece or the god of the uh, Hotentots was once a man, we cannot deny that the myth of both these gods have passed through and been colored by the imaginations of men who practiced the worship of a real ancestor. Not For to example, mention the imaginations of Judeo-Christian preachers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they still believe the apple myth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also they're, also, they're also pushing this uh, deadly COVID uh, shot. Right. People. They oh, are really, man. Uh, yeah. They are really wolves. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mythology. Everybody believes mythology because they trust. Who's the authority? They, they trust in fake authority. Yeah. And Cain was the man. first fake authority. There you go. The only man. So, mm-hmm. for example, the Cretans the, uh, showed the tomb of Sev, Sevs 
uh, and the um, Phoenicians, and this is bracket, uh, portions uh, 10, uh, 5, and bracket, they poured blood of victims into the tomb of a hero, obviously, by way of feeding his ghost. Ooh. Very probably, yeah. um, chains of the legends of real men have been attracted into mythical accounts of gods of um, another character. And this is the element of truth uh, at the bottom of humanism. Mm-hmm. And quote, and it was also from the Encyclopedia of Britannica, in addition to mythological. This authority, uh, bracket, Andrew Lang, and bracket, like other modern mythological, prefers the latest explanation of mythology, which is that it um, gradually evolved from the imaginations of primitive man. No, writes, no, not from primitive man, from, from de- devious priests. <laughs> All right? But he doesn't suspect that. Okay, back to you. And again, you have this... This um, what do you say? The gradual evol the evo- ev- evolution evolution is also in it here. Yeah, man, devolution uh, actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Quote: uh, Our theory is therefore that the savage and senseless elements in mythology is, for the most part, a legacy uh, from the ancestor of the civilized races who were in an um, intellectual state, not higher than that of Australians, Bushmen, Red Indians, the lower races of South America, uh, Minkopias, and worse than the barbaric peoples, as the ancestor of the Greeks. Uh, advanced in civilization, their religious thought was shocked and uh, surprised by myth. Uh, bracket, ordinarily da- uh, dating from the period of um, savagery and natural in the periods and bracket which were preserved down to the time of uh, po- uh, Poseans by local priesthoods or were um, stereotyped in the ancient poems of um, Hesoid and Homer or in the uh, Brahmans and Vedas of e- India and were retained in the popular religion of Egypt and quote all right, so this professor suspects that there's monkey business, <laughs> monkey business going on in the relating of these old myths, right? Very good. Oh yeah, yes, and the same. This was also from the same encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. If the Greeks had already been shocked by ancient myth, we might agree with the with this writer in regarding this myth as peculiar to a state of ignorance. But since the Greeks themselves not only adopted the ancient mythology of Babylonia, but added to it some even worse features, <laughs> it, was, right. uh, it was obviously the outcome, not of ignorance, but of evil, powerful enough to resist the uh, uh, vaulted evolution of civilization. Professor Max Miller says about okay, the uh, be, yeah. Sorry to interrupt here, but Paul made a very important statement where uh, it's it's misconstrued by the Judeo-Christians, where he says, don't believe in the genealogies of men. He was not referring to Israelite genealogy. He was referring to the fake genealogy that the Greeks devolved from some sort of gods and goddesses, right? Actually, the, the Greeks by this time 
uh, didn't realize that these myths that they had adopted, that these god, the, the first god and the first goddess was Adam and Eve. They had simply forgotten this, and, and they believed that they were created by these various gods and goddesses. And so that's what Paul was talking about when he criticized uh, that belief, okay? Uh, he wasn't criticizing the genealogies of the Israelites, not by any means. Okay, back to you. Yeah, I think that's important to know because that yeah. is often a verse that I have come upon by some Judeo-Christian pastors. They use that one. Oh, don't argue with uh, the one that you exactly quote. They use yeah. that one and throw that, throw that one in my face. Right, because the Bible is all about genealogy. All about it, 100%. The two seed lines. Yes, it is. But, yeah, they they were not. They, they doesn't recognize that. Right. I they believe the uh, myth. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but they, yeah. Mm -hmm. Quote, they will relate of their gods what would make the most savage of Red Indians creep and shudder. Stories, that is, uh, of the cannibalism of Dementor, of the uh, mutilations of Uranus, the cannibalism of uh, Cronus, who swallowed his own children and the like among the lowest tribes of Africa and America. We hardly find anything more hideous and revolting, end quote. This was also from the Encyclopedia of Britannica, edition to mythology. Um, if, too, we glance at Ro Roman mythology, uh, which it is now recognized over its origins through the Greeks to Babylonia, could only custom be more um, barbarous than that still carried on near Rome in imperial times, namely the constantly um, recurring murders uh, of the priest kings of Nemi, about which Sir James um, Fraser writes, quote, The strange rule of this priesthood has no parallel in classic antiquity and cannot be explained from it, to find the explanation, we must go further afield. No one will probably deny that such a custom um, savers or barbons day, days and, and surviving into imperial times stands out in striking isolations from the uh, Polish society uh, of the day. Polished, not Polish, but right. polished. <laughs> okay. Like a primal rock. Uh, rising from the smooth, shady lawn, end quote. And that is from a bracket, Goldner uh, Both, end bracket. Uh, may it not be further, um, further back rather than uh, further afield, uh, quote, further afield, end quote, that we must look for the origin of this custom. Sir James uh, Fraser has searched the world over for its explanation and has failed to find it. But does not the store of Cain, granted that he was the Babylonian king Sargon, provides the most reasonable explanation of this ancient custom in which murderers uh, masquerading as kings and priests were honored. Um, however, this may be, the important fact remains that one of the most barbarous of customs survived at that late period of history in an outwardly um, polished society, because beneath the surface lurked the besotting influence of the golden cup of Babylonia, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, say they Very say good. our nation today. They are polished. They try to polish stuff. The sounds yeah. seems to be good, but underneath it is. Uh, yeah, devil. The devil. Well, as Yahshua says, on the outside you are nothing but polished sepulchers, but inside you are full of dead men's bones, right? Okay. In my opinion, the theory that Cain, inspired by hatred and revenge, revenge, invented false gods to, um, is manifestly more probable than the theory that a system which has held men's imaginations Mm. throughout the whole history of the world was devised in the first place of <laughs> ignorant savage. Yeah. Well, it's it's so silly that it must have been, right? <laughs> okay. The, the idea of false priests and uh, pre- devious priests, it never occurs to these, uh, you know, archaeologists and historians. It never occurs to them. But that's that's the main... Uh, wellspring of uh, so-called mythology, right? They just invented it to lead us away from the truth. Back to you. Oh, yeah. If, as Professor Kittle and Max Miller claim, it is psychologically impossible that the notion of gods uh, can uh, precede the knowledge of the one God, where can we look for the, the originator of the gods of ancient Babylonia, if not to Cain. And how can we reasonably account for the the existence of so, uh, quote, silly, savage, and senseless, and, quote, a system as mythologically except as being the corrupted stream of, quote, ancient knowledge revealed by God to man, end quote. Uh, Just as, quote, um, shadow owes its birth to light, and quote, so mythology owes its existence to the truth. For as everything uh, combined to show, it is nothing more than its um, distorted shadow, like the uh, clinging weed which devastated and uh, cornfield. Uh, mythology has, I hold, obscured the whole of ancient history. Amen. Well said. Okay, so then we are at uh, at chapter um, 18. Eumeria is supported by other writers. It will be seen, therefore, that the view uh, propounded by Eumerius harmonized with my own theory of the system of uh, obscurantism. (laughs) Obscurantism. Again, obscuring the truth with fables. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tongue twister for me, apparently. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, a, that's not a very commonly used word, obscurantism. Back to you. Yeah, but it's a, a nice word. Yes. It's a, yeah, it's a good to use. It, it's very it's meaningful. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, practice um, from earliest times by the Babylonian priests, and it can scare, um, scarcely uh, be denied that in this time, evidence in favor of this history may have existed, of which nothing is now known. The American astrologist Albert Clay, uh, bracket, one of the latest writers upon the, the subject, and bracket, says, quote, The fact that Eumerius, as it was developed, was in time completely disregarded, does not prove that Eumerius was wrong. As far as I can, um, 
ascertain since the excavation at Troy and in the light of other discoveries, not a few classical scholars hold that many of the so-called Greek and Roman gods were heroic per, uh, personages. Yes. Person. Yeah. So this uh, this is a very commonly held view that uh, you know the, the so-called gods and goddesses of the ancient world were actually you know deification of humans, deification of you know, uh, mortal pe- mortal people. Right. This is a commonly held view. Why was it even, you know, thrown out? Right. Because people must be afraid of these devilish images. Right. And scared out of their wits, you know, by uh, by Baphomet instead of the false priests who are really the cause of all our troubles. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So here is Augustine, the African bishop. In his trauma bracket, A.D. 354 to 413, and bracket. In his book, the uh, Civita Dei says, quote, Alexander the Great told his mother in a letter that even the, ha- the higher gods were men, and the secret was told, by, told him by Leo, the high priest of Egyptian um, sacred things. Alexander requested his mother to burn the letter in which he said this. Whoa, Whoa, don't let the people know. (laughs) I want to be a god too. Or at least remembered like one. (laughs) Of course, the the Romans carried on this tradition. Every emperor was considered a god, right? Yeah. Um, The outstanding features of mythology is its bewildering variations. It's Quote, Kale, Kale, Kaleido, kaleidoscopic. A kaleidoscope oh. is a toy, a children's toy that uh, makes uh, you know, various images by rotating it. So kaleidoscopic is the word. Interchange of gods and goddesses. And quote, as Professor Sayes describes it, which I contend was meant to blind uh, posterity to the fact that under the baffling uh, verbiage, of the priest, writings, historical events, and characters were hidden. For this purpose, the names, sexes, and relationships of the mythological characters seems seem to have been changed in, in different periods and places. A father and son are hopelessly confused, as are also mother, sister, and wife. Many Sometimes they're actually the same act- person, <laughs> right? <laughs> Incest. Back to yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Many of the of the deities have both male and female forms. In Babylonian mythology, for instance, uh, Anatu, the wife or uh, consort of Anu, is generally a form of Anu, and she is also one of the many forms of the goddess called Ishtar. While the first Babylonian god, Anu, event, uh, eventually represented Adam. The chief god of the uh, Hindus is also Adam. For one of his names is uh, Adam, Adama, and his wife is called Eva. Uh, one writer points out that Noah is represented in Indian mythology uh, by the god Minu, whose sons first called Sama, um, uh, Sharma, and Pra. Yapeti, and later on uh, Brahma, Siva, and um, 
Krish, Krish, okay, so uh, yeah, before you continue, so uh, Sama is obviously Shem, Hama is obviously Ham, and Prayapeti is obviously Japheth. Back to you. Yeah, real people, <laughs> real people. <laughs> okay, we're on the statement, the representation of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Oh yeah, she says that later on. Sorry, I answer. I didn't need to interrupt. <laughs> but here, again, we, we see that in the modern world, we have people denying that these people actually existed. Right? So everything is still uh, mythology. They're trying to mythologize the Bible and th- thus make people not believe in it. Right? So we've got all of this corruption of the Holy Scriptures by, by both the priests and the secular disbelievers. It's un- incredible, folks, the amount of disinformation that we get about the Bible. Back to you. Yes, and here's a quote. They are described as the children of one who uh, was preserved in an ark with seven uh, companions, and quote. And that is a bracket, Origin of the Pagan Idolatry, Volume 2, page 102, Faber, and bracket. We are thus encouraged by many writers to look upon the mythological character as the uh, deified forms of the first men and women, although that view is not popular with modern scholars. Uh, So now we are at chapter 19, the root of mythology. So, the Babylonian gods are the first of which we have any monumental records. In studying them, therefore, we are, as it were, getting down to the root of mythology and analyzing the ingredients of the golden cup of Babylonia, which, down through the ages, has blinded the majority of mankind to the truth. Having, a, having I hope, convinced, convinced the reader of the improbability of the, quote, blackheads, end quote, having involved the civilization of Babylonia, and that, on the contrary, it was invented by the great Sargon, who, as Professor King says, was, quote, the actual founder of his dynasty, and Very quote. good. Outstanding. So even Professor King says it, or uh, which one was, says or Kings? Yeah, Kings. Haven't heard of him. Back to you. And it follows that we may also attribute the institution of the oldest uh, known gods to Sargon, uh, bracket, namely Cain, and bracket. And this furnished a very reasonable explanation of how the mythological systems of the world first came into being. Although the connection between those gods and the Bible character is admitted by some astrologists, they regard the former as the prototype of the uh, later Whereas I claim that it was Cain, bracket, uh, the, quote, high priestess Enlil, and the, quote, and bracket, and after him, generation of, of priests who um, tra- travested the miraculous story of the Garden of Eden, although since the story uh, dwarfed everything in their experience, it is perpetually harpened upon in their so-called religious writings. Uh, Professor King, who held that the Babylonian myths were adopted by the Hebrews, says, quote, 
the associations of wicked uh, guardians with the sacred tree in Babylonia art is uh, at least suggestive of the uh, cherubims and the tree of life. And Amen. Yeah. Yeah, so is and it mythology it, or is it a biblical truth? <laughs> right? The cherubims protecting, you know, protecting the entrance to the Garden of Eden by, uh, you know, mortal men. Okay, back to you. Yeah. And in discussing the resemblance between the Hebrew and biblical writings, he says, quote, we come to the questions at what periods and by what process did the Hebrews become uh, acquainted with Babylonian ideas? End quote. And this, bra- this uh, bracket, Legends of Babylonia, page 136 and 141. End bracket. Uh, to that question, Professor King suggests four alternative answers, but arrive at a new conclusion. He says, it does not seem to have occurred to him that the Hebrew and Babylonian stories were, a bracket, as Professor Kittle believes, and bracket, independent verses of the same original original although from every point of view it seems to be the reasonable solutions of the problem presumably influenced by opinions such as professor king's some theologians have relinquished their faith in the miraculous character of the genesis stories and regard them as inspired by babylon by the babylonian myth they credit some unknown is um, israelitish scribe with the authorship of the book of Genesis and attributed the uh, uh, ethical teachings of that book to the influence exerted upon the author by the later prophets. Some rabbi, no doubt. (laughs) Right? Okay. So rather than taking the Bible at its word, they now have decided uh, it's just a Babylonian mythology, right? Yeah. Uh, so here's a bracket, circa 700 BC, and bracket. But it is um, convincible that a, a spiritual-minded, uh, a writer, uh, bracket, under such influence, and bracket, should have invented a fictitious story of the origin of his race, adopting two Babylonian gods as its first uh, parents, or that he took uh, his idea of the tree of life from such drawings as the above. Right, and that's the drawing of Adam and Eve standing on either side of the tree of life with the serpent intertwined around the tree, right? Okay, well, I mean, all the other societies, uh, you know, proceed from their own mythology, right? So why shouldn't the Bible? That's the reasoning of these, you know, that's the reasoning of these Assyriologists. Okay, all right, well, actually, I'm just looking at the clock. We have less than two minutes left, so... We'll save chapter 20, the Babylonian gods and goddesses, for next week. Okay? Very good. All right. So uh, everything that we've covered so far in this book, Sargon the Magnificent, demonstrates the wisdom of Mrs. Sidney Bristow and, and, and reveals the childishness of the vast majority of Assyriologists and biblical critics. All right? This book is a godsend, folks. I recommend, highly recommend it to everybody. It's still available online, and uh, Chris Pete has done us a favor by making available uh, his uh, uh, PDF of it as well. And so we will, you know, uh, include this uh, in the uh, in the final 
upload of today's show, I'll include this link to the, his PDF. So, folks, it's highly worthy of your uh, putting it in your library. Back to, back to you, Michael. Final words. Yeah, thank you very much. So, and I will. I can uh, end this by the the first quote that will come in the next chapter. Uh, quote: The examination of names is the beginning of learning, and that is from Socrates. Yes, Socrates. Yeah. Well, yeah. Who who is who <laughs> in the Old Testament? That's the question. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Praise the Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. We'll see you next time. And please stick around for uh, Voice of Christian Israel later today. Take care and Yahweh bless everybody. Bye bye.